of you brought your Bible with you here today, either old school or in your device, whatever the case. If you could, why don't you find yourself going to the book of Psalms, chapter 13. I want to share a message today entitled, Looking Up When You're Feeling Down. Looking Up When You're Feeling Down. By the way, before I forget, uh, I just want to say thanks to everybody for your prayers, for your support for us. Uh, Jonathan's actually helping the, uh, the kids for a moment, for a moment but uh, he released his first album on Friday, and it was so exciting, and um, your support has just been fantastic, so thank you. We appreciate that. And if you stream it, we ask you to uh, do so a lot of times, okay? <laughs> Over and over, and uh, but thank you. This has been a uh, uh, just a special week for our family in seeing that, and uh, it's been really good. So, kind of a proud dad moment there that I thought I'd share with you here, and uh, we thank the Lord. All right, looking up when you're feeling down, I want to take a look at David. David was the one who wrote most of the Psalms, not all of them, but he wrote most of them. This is one of his. And when we think of David, I, I, I would guess that the first thing that pops in your mind would be the giant killer, right? The, the shepherd boy, uh, the one anointed to be the king, uh, the, uh, the, the worshiper, David. I mean, just all these, and there's some dark moments with David, you know, let's not go there, but... but because uh, I don't want to go there today. But I, I, I think of this great warrior, this wonderful, this wonderful man whom is called a man after God's own heart. And then I read Psalm 13. Wow. You're going to read these verses, and you're going to say, whoa, whoa. In fact, I dare say if somebody, somebody pulled you aside and they rattled off these four verses to you, you may not know how to deal with that because there are some emotions going on here in this psalm that I really don't think are unique just to David. I think the Holy Spirit had every intent of us seeing this and reading this and knowing that there's a place that we can look when we're kind of down, maybe at the very depths of our feelings and our emotions and our psyche, there's an answer. And I want to speak to those of us today where if that is you currently, wow, are you here in the, at the right place at the right time? If you've been there for a little while, you're here at the right place at the right time. If everything's good, in fact, you never get sad. First of all, repent. Secondly, <laughs> secondly, I think this scripture will actually equip you to know what to do when those low moments come. So if you're able to, would you stand and honor the reading of God's word as we 
take a look at this together. And Stanley, I'm getting a little bit of a ring. I'm probably talking a lot louder than I was before. So if you could help me out, I don't want to... Well, maybe I do want the apostolics to hear next door, but I don't want to... <laughs> I don't want to interfere with their service. We, we get along with them pretty good. So, thanks. That's great. Thank you. Psalm 13, verses 1 through 6. You ready? Take a look at this. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. And my heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. So, Lord, I pray that we would know what to do when we are down in the deepest depths in our lives and our emotions and in our feelings. God, I ask you that you would provide a way answer because, Lord, I, I know that that's not your desire for us is to remain there. So, God, equip us with your word, I pray, that we can walk in victory and not walk in sorrow. And I'll thank you for that. In Jesus' name, and we all said amen. 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 You may be seated. Wow. The giant killer. The shepherd. The king. The worshiper. The man after God's own heart. And this guy just vomited emotionally for four verses for us to read. This guy that we admire, this guy who, whom God chose for the birth of his son to go through this man's lineage, okay? So David is very much high on God's list. This is a man of God going on here, and he has some stuff that he is dealing with. I want to talk to good people, people who've been around Jesus, people who've been serving Jesus, people that are trying to do this thing right, and you find yourself at a time where you're just low, and maybe you're feeling guilty about it. <laughs> maybe, maybe somebody had the audacity to come up to you and say, you know, you should pray about that, Mark. <laughs> what do you do? What do you do when you're feeling as down as David did? Well, first of all, before I give you that answer, I want to take a look at David's feelings. I only have, only have two points to my message today. Someone said, wow, that's great. <laughs> that's great. The game don't start till six, folks, okay? So chill. All you got is bowling until then, so you're good. <laughs> wow. Act like you're getting waterboarded. It's a sermon, for goodness sakes. <laughs> David's feelings. I actually think that a lot of the feelings that David expressed in verses 1, 2, 3, and 4, many of us can actually relate to. First of all, I believe that for some reason David felt abandoned. 
he felt abandoned. Verse 1 says, How long, Lord, will you... This is the worshiper. This is the man after God's own heart. Are you hearing me today? And this man says, will you forget me forever? Will you hide your, how how long will you hide your face from me? You think that he would know better. You think we would know better. But sometimes we don't. Sometimes we feel that we've been abandoned by even the Lord, let alone the people around us. But then then there's those moments where we feel like even God's not hearing what we have to say. We feel like God's not responding to our prayers. And it's not like we're praying bad prayers. You know, it's not like we're saying, hey, God, you know, uh, give me a Ferrari, and while you're at it, Give that guy leprosy because I don't like him. Okay, God's probably not going to honor either of those prayers. But we're not talking about that. We're, we're, we're talking about you're, you're doing everything right. But for some reason, you feel like he's abandoned you. This is what David seemed to be feeling. I've seen the best of Christians have moments where they feel this way because things aren't going well in their lives. Maybe their health takes a bad turn. Maybe the job is not going well. Students, maybe things aren't going so well on the campus. Maybe a relationship has broken down. Maybe, maybe you know, this or that. And, and, and all of a sudden, we feel abandoned. But then it doesn't stop there. We find out that David is not only feeling abandoned, but he also felt very anxious. He felt very anxious. In verse 2, David brings out something that I think it's important for us to try to get under control. How long must I wrestle with my thoughts? Everybody say thoughts. How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? You know where the battlefield really is? It's not your computer screen. It's your mind. It's your mind. You know, there's a reason why Philippians 4.8 is very, very specific, but also very, uh, very much given a big summary of the things that we should think about. Things that are lovely. Things that are pure. Uh, Things that are good. And I think oftentimes, I think oftentimes we occupy our minds on the wrong thing. And what happens, we allow our minds to settle in a place that it shouldn't be settling. I can be guilty of that sometimes. You know, I can have. I could have five people compliment me for this or that or whatever, but it's that one person. Am I right? Where am I going to camp out? Not on the five people that said, oh, Pastor, you're such a good... But it's, it's that one. It's that one. And I can't get over that. So I camp out on that. And then, because I'm camping out on that, 
then I'm like, boy, I really wish they would get leprosy. Or... People are checking their arms. You're okay. You're okay. But then, then the mind goes all over the place. Oh, I bet they're saying this about me. I'm telling Facebook. Can I just pause and just encourage everybody here? Think before you hit send. It'll save you a lot of drama in your life. It really will. And I don't know who this is for, but beware of the keyboard warriors. You know, the ones that are so brave that they'll hide behind their phone and talk about you. Don't feel that. All right, back to the message. Our minds. Our minds. We could get in the lowest of lows, deepest depths, by allowing our mind. I'm not saying ignore what's wrong. I'm not saying pretend that you don't have a problem. That's silly. But where do we focus our minds at? If it's always negative, is it a wonder then that we are constantly negative? Some of us are not happy unless we're miserable. Because we've built this identity of being negative. Because that's all we know. Our mind won't allow us to escape that prison. The thought life. It brings out anxiety. It brings out the worst in us. It, 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 it affects our behavior. It affects our mood. It affects our relationship with God. It'll affect everything. David goes on. If this wasn't enough, that he felt abandoned and anxious, but then thirdly, he felt abused. Abused. Now, portions of verse 2 and verse 4 kind of show that. He goes, how long will my enemy triumph over me? In fact, my enemy will say, and my enemy will say, I have overcome him, and my foes will rejoice when I fall. You ever have any relationships like that? They won't celebrate when you do well, but they can't wait for you to fall. By the way, if that's your friendship circle, you need new friends. You really do. Maybe just one good friend. But a lot of us and I'm not trying to open up a bunch of wounds. Please hang with me, okay? Don't run to the bridge just yet. But a lot of us, because of how we've been treated negatively by other people, that has caused us to go deep down into a place that God doesn't want for us. Not at all. Now, I'm a pastor, so I never had that happen to me. <laughs> Whatever. It happens to all of us. And, and it'd be easy to camp out on the mistreatment. It really would be. And, and in fact, 
The, the enemy of your soul, the enemy of your soul will do what he can to constantly bring up that past hurt and those past pains and those past moments that are just so wounded, that cause you to be so wounded. He'll cause you to bring that back into your mind and that will sink you further and further down. David had some people that treated him wrong. In fact, his own son did. It's hard. How do, you, how do you deal with that? I'm going to show you. But finally, I would use this word. I think David was aimless. I think he was ready to give up. I mean, look what he says in verse 3. This is, <laughs> this is his prayer. He says in verse 3, Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. Okay, this is a far cry from now I lay me down to sleep. <laughs> this is a guy who's even just laying in bed ready to give up. Could I remind you who this is one more time? The man after God's own heart. Can I remind you one more time that this is the giant killer? That this is the king that God has chosen. The one who was anointed as a boy to become the next king of God's people. David. David. One of the heroes in the Bible. And he felt this way. You know what? Sometimes we feel pretty guilty if we feel this way. In fact, sometimes, sometimes we're afraid to get help because we're afraid of what somebody might say. I had a pastor call me this week and you ready for this? Within the last few years, this guy has lost his dad, lost his mom, lost his brother, and lost his son to a drowning accident. Within the last few years. And he's had to stand every Sunday and act like everything's okay. And he said, he said, Pastor Phil, I can't do that anymore. I got to get help. And I said, you're making the right decision. You're making the right decision. He goes, he goes, do you know of any, so, so what he's going to do, he's going to go to uh, the Assemblies of God uh, facility, Emerge to get the help that he needs for three days. He said, do you, do you know of any good hotels I could stay at? I don't want to stay at the wrong place. I said, the church will pay for, will pay for your hotel. I should tell the board right now that we, we just paid for. <laughs> In fact, you know what? If you'd like to contribute, 
to that, just drop it in the offering box or give online. Just label it help. And, uh, but, but he told me, what a great commercial that was, but uh, there you go. But he told me, he said, you know the stigma, Pastor. He said, people will say, well, you're not praying hard enough. You should be closer to God and, and, and you wouldn't be feeling the way that you feel. I said, dude, if you broke your ankle, would anybody say, you know what, you really need to pray more? No, you'd get that thing x-rayed. You would get that thing in a cast. You, you would. Then, then why? Why do we think that we have all the answers when somebody is hurting up here like David did? I thank God for places like Emerge and Renew Counseling, uh, counseling Services, place, places that have people that love Jesus, that will help walk people through some dark times if they're facing them. But I, and, and so I'm not going to downgrade any of that. In fact, you're looking at a guy that has benefited greatly from counseling, okay? Now, some people, well, you must not be a strong Christian. (laughs) Shut up. What in the world? So I've benefited from all that. And, 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 And if that frees anybody up to get help, please, let that, let that be the open door that you need to seek it. In fact, if you don't even know where to go, you call me. I got plenty of recommendations I could send you, people I trust, okay? But, but, what do we do? What do we do when we're feeling this way? Before we can get to a counselor, before we can even talk to anybody else, what can we say to ourselves and to God? And see, this is what I want to do for you today. I want to equip you today, no matter where you're at, no matter how low you might be, I want to equip you today to know that you might have one, two, three, or all four of these feelings going on, but there are some facts that I want to give you, and I want to look at David's facts in the midst of his feelings that could absolutely change your life today. Because what David does, he states his feelings in verses 1 through 4, but now in the second part of this message, he goes to verses 5 and 6, and everything changes. Everything turns around. He all of a sudden switches gear, and he makes some confessions about some important things about his relationship with his God. Some of you may need to write these down or take a picture of some of these things because I believe some of this, if not all of it, can free you up today. Let me show you number two, David's facts. The truth. Don't believe the lie. Don't believe the lie. Inhale truth. Exhale the lies consume truth. Jesus even said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Don't believe the lies. Don't trust your feelings. Can I say that again? If your faith in God is based on feelings, then it's no wonder that you might be all over the place because our feelings can change just like that. You could love a restaurant then 30 minutes later, I hate this place. 
three days later. I love that place. They had the best salad. And then a week later, oh, I forgot I hate this place. We are so, we are so all over the place. So you need something that's not going to change and not, something that's not going to be all over the place. So here's four statements I want to give you that David gave us. First of all, God, you love me. See now, see, now, I, I might have been tempted to say, boy, God, you are so powerful. I know I'm feeling bad, but I, oh, you're, you're omniscient, you're omnipresent, you're omnipotent, all the omnis, you're, you're all those. If there's any others, you're those too. But the first thing, the first thing that David says, after throwing out all this negative, all this depression, all this anxiety, all these horrible feelings that he's feeling, the first thing he says in verse 5 is this, but I trust in your unfailing love. Oh, don't miss this. Don't miss this. If you've got nothing else, and I'm going to tell you, you've got more than you think, but you need to remember this, that in the midst of how you feel, and even if you think he's abandoned you, the truth is this, he has always loved you. And even if you say something to him like, you've abandoned me, God. You don't care about me, God. You're hiding your face from me, God. It's not like God's going to zap you and say, oh, that's enough. No, that's not what he does. He's saying, I love you anyway. God can handle you. Did you know that? He can handle you. He can handle what you say. He can handle how you feel. He still loves you. And David, before he went anywhere else, he was reminded not only of God's love, but his unfailing love. Many of you have heard me say this so many times. The love of God is the most consistent thing you'll ever experience. It doesn't change. It doesn't decrease. And it doesn't increase. Ooh, I read my Bible today. I bet God loves me more today. Ooh, I accidentally cussed today. Now God hates me. God says, you know what? I love you the same. Let's work on that language, but I love you the same. Let's keep working at, at reading my word, but, but I, I still love you. God's love for you is not based on your performance. It's not based on your resume. God's love for me is not based on how well I preach or don't preach, how well I lead or don't lead, how good of a husband and a father I am or, or, or not. God loves me the same. There's some stuff he wants to do in me, but his love has nothing to do with it. But I don't feel loved. This isn't about feeling. This is about truth. This is about truth. And the truth is this, God, you love me. No matter what, you love me. Even if I doubted your love, you still love me. And you've got that to hang on to, number one. God, you love me. Second statement that I want you to make today is not only, God, you love me, but secondly, God, you saved me. 
If you're a follower of Jesus Christ today, you've got that going for you every single day. Well, God doesn't do much for me. Did he save you? Yeah, then he's done enough. Yeah, but I want to be comfortable. I don't know what to tell you. God never promised comfort. But he promised his love and his salvation to all who call on him for it. The rest of verse 5 says that my heart rejoices in your salvation. So think of this. Okay, he is down in the depths. And the first two things that come to mind. Number one, God, you love me. You love me. And number two, your salvation's there. If, God, if you never do another thing for me, you've saved me. God, if you never give me another dime, if you never, ever do anything else for me, you've done enough by sending your son to die for me. I will rejoice in your salvation. You've got that. You know what? I really think that we need to value our salvation way more than what we do. I really do. We are such a, an immediate sensation society. We got to have everything like this. And, and, and the, the, the spiritual amnesia that seems to exist in the body of Christ blows my mind sometimes. We forget what he's done. But never forget that he saved you. He saved you. You're his child. You're his daughter. You're his son. Even if you don't feel like it, you can't change it. Thank you, God, that you saved me. Thirdly, he says this, God, I'll worship you. I'll worship you. Beginning of verse 6, it says, I will sing the Lord's praise. So here's, here's how it's going. God, I'm reminded that you love me no matter what. God, I'm also reminded that you have saved me. I rejoice in your salvation. And now because of that, I will worship you. May I tell you that you do not need a stage full of musicians to be able to worship God. Because Monday morning, you're not going to have that. You know, it's not like David found the nearest band and said, five, six, seven, eight, da, da, da. That's not what he did. I don't think he did. Praise, worship, it's just recognizing who God is. All those qualities of God that we sing about, he's good, he's great, he's awesome, he's loving, he provides, he's merciful, all of those. When you articulate that to God with your voice, you know what you've done? You've worshiped him. That's what you've done. And why is that important? Do you think God is sitting on his throne Saying, man, could I use some praise today? God doesn't need anything. And God doesn't need your praise. You need your praise of God. 
Why? Because praise puts our problems in the proper perspective. That's a lot of peas. Praise puts our problems in the proper perspective. When I'm overcome by what I'm feeling, by what I'm experiencing, but then I worship God, all of a sudden, you know what happens? I see the greatness of God. And all of a sudden, in his shadow are those things that I'm dealing with, and I realize that he's bigger than my problems. And I realize he's bigger than my feelings. And I realize that he's bigger than my situation. I, I, I realize that. How does that happen? Through my praise of him. Is there any wonder why the psalmist says to magnify the Lord? God doesn't change. But our picture of God needs to change. Again, I've said this before. When you look through a magnifying glass, what's it do? What's it do? It makes the thing that you're looking at, well, if it's a bug, you set it on fire. But it, it makes the thing, <laughs> not that I did that. But you look through a magnifying glass, what's it do? It, it makes that little thing there, it makes it, it, it makes it look bigger. Now, the thing that you're looking at doesn't change size. Your perspective does. When you magnify the Lord, you are looking through that magnifying glass of praise. And you're magnifying him and you realize, oh, God, you are great. You, you did create all this. You can handle me. You can handle my finances. You can handle this physical battle. It's big to me, but it's not as big as you. That's what worship does. So David says, in the midst of all of this low... I'll praise the Lord. God, I will worship you. Even when it's hard to do so. Let me just say, what harms a lot of our praise is the fact that we have to be entertained for a couple songs before we start worshiping God. Whereas the psalm says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. Don't wait for your favorite song. You just come in this place praising. It doesn't matter how you feel. I'm going to praise the Lord. It doesn't matter what's going on. I'm going to praise the Lord. Don't let the devil take away your praise because it's a powerful thing, your worship of God. Here's the last one, last statement, then I'm done. God, you've been good to me. Boy, we sang about that today. How about that? Isn't it cool how God knows what he's doing when he even puts our services together? God, you've been good to me. You've been good. I asked earlier in the service, how many of you can testify that the Lord's been good? And so many hands went up. I've, I've stood in the hospital rooms with some of you, many of you, and I've seen God bring you through. God is good. I've seen some of you when you were in the throes of addiction and terrible decisions, and here you are in God's house. Oh, God's been good. 
I've seen families that were distant and on the verge of collapse, and God brought those families together. Oh, I tell you, God has been good. I've seen people that were ready to give up on life itself, and now they are here in God's house, worshiping him, serving him as much as they can. Oh, God has been good. You cannot deny that God's been good. God's been good. He's been good. Verse 6, he's been good to me. He's been good to me. I could wake up tomorrow morning and say, God, you've been good to me. I know it waits, what awaits me, but you've been good. You've been good. And the same God, the same God who was good in the past is the same God who will be good in my present. And he is the same God who will take me to the future. He is a good God. Perhaps there are some folks here watching online or here in person today, and and you could relate to some of this stuff, maybe all the stuff that David was feeling. And again, I... I never want to try to open up a wound without at least giving you an opportunity to say God has a plan to heal that wound and this is what he has for you today. I believe, in fact, I want to put these four statements on the screen and Esther, if we could just leave them up there the rest of the service. Maybe some of us just need to say, God, you love me and you just need to camp your thoughts out on the love of God and the fact that even in the midst of you being not so good and not so faithful, God loves you. Maybe you need to be reminded again that he saved you. Maybe some of us need to be reminded what we've been saved from. And we just need to say, God, thank you. God, thanks for saving me. You're the same God that saved my soul. You can certainly save my life. You can certainly save my marriage. You can certainly save my finances. You can certainly restore my friendships. The same God who saved you and lovingly died for you is the same God that cares about what you're facing today. God, you're worthy of my praise. Maybe you just need to take a few moments today and tell him all that he is. Pastor, I'm not really good at that. You don't need to be a pro. (laughs) All you got to do is just tell him. Describe him. Tell him all that he is. Maybe you need to sing along as as Jonathan leads in worship in a little bit, but, but maybe you could use some time where your problems need to be actually in the shadow of this great God that we serve and love. And maybe you just need to be reminded today, God, you've been good to me. You've been good. I've convinced myself that you've not been, but Lord, you've been good. You've been good. So today is a day where we may need to make these statements to the Lord, not only today, but tomorrow when you wake up, and Tuesday when you wake up, maybe before that meeting with that boss, maybe before you see the in-laws, 
but that hit some people differently than others. Maybe when you're reminded of some past hurts, you could just press the pause button mentally and say, God, you love me. God, you've saved me. Lord, I'm going to praise you anyway. God, you've been good to me. I think what I would love to see take place the rest of the week should take place today in a lot of hearts today. So I'm going to ask you to stand. And today, if you find yourself down like, again, please understand, a great man of God like David. If you find yourself that low, then it's time to look up. It's time to look up. You've been living in verses 1 through 4. Now it's time to live in verses 5 through 6. <laughs> so we're going to keep these statements up here. And these four statements, maybe they need to be your prayers today. I don't know what God's doing in your life. I don't know what he has to do in each and every individual here today. But I do know this. The God who sees you at your lows wants to lift you up out of that pit. Set your feet on a rock so that you can stand. He doesn't want you to remain this way. He wants to pick you up and lead you. It starts by recognizing who God really is. So I'm going to give you a chance to pray. When you're done with God today, whether you want to come to the altar and pray, maybe you want to pray at your seat, I just want you to pray. And when you're done, feel free to fellowship with everybody in the lobby so that we don't disturb anyone who's seeking the Lord here today. Let's make this a house of prayer and let's commit this to the Lord. Jesus, thank you for the fact that you love me God, you've saved my life. So God, how can I not worship you? God, you've been so good to me. We've sung it all through the morning. And God, I pray it'd be a theme through the rest of this week. So now, Lord, would you meet with your sons and your daughters today? And whatever low point we are at, God, bring us out of it. Bring us out of it by, Lord, looking at to, as to who you really are, a God who loves us, a God who saved us, a God who's worthy of our praise, and a God who is so good. So meet with us, I pray, Lord Jesus. We commit our lows to you. Change them to highs. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need to seek the Lord, do it right now. Do it right now. You can come to the altar. You can pray at your seat. If God's released you, you can consider yourself dismissed. God bless you.